If you are a Braveheart, the next hour is just for you. Welcome to Bravehearts Radio with Brian Reinbold. In this program, you'll learn who the Bravehearts are and connect with them to help change the world. By doing so, you'll be changed for the better. Now, here is your host, Brian Reinbold. And welcome, Bravehearts. Uh, you're listening to Bravehearts Radio. I'm your host, Brian Reinbold, and I am the mission specialist. You know, every time I hear that music coming in, I get excited about the show. And today is probably one of those examples when I'm I'm really very excited about the show. You're you're tuned in to VoiceAmerica.com. We're we're the leader in live internet talk radio. I'm grateful to be here with you on our flagship Voice America Variety Channel. And today we are going to talk about abundance activism. Uh, what a what a great uh, what a great time and what a great topic to uh, to get into today on on Brave. Bravehearts Radio. You can connect with us at BraveheartsForKids.org, and uh, you can also go to BraveheartsRadio.org, where you can find all the past episodes of the show in the show link section. And uh, if you have a heart for it, you can also donate now if you like the work we're doing and would like to help us to uh, continue this work. My guest today is Ellen Rogan, the Abundance Activist. Uh, she is a co-author with uh, Lisa King of the New York Times bestseller, Picture Your Prosperity, Smart Money Moves to Turn Your Vision into Reality. Ellen uh, Ellen and I met, um, well, I guess we met uh, when I was uh, set to introduce you to uh, a National Speakers Association, uh, Illinois audience, uh, for an online seminar this spring. And in in uh, in looking over your uh, introduction, I thought, oh my gosh, I I really want to get to know her. I want to listen to more of what she has to say. And I really, I I, I had an inkling at that moment that uh, I I wanted to uh, be able to get uh, your ideas out to the Bravehearts. Uh, so, welcome, Ellen. Oh, I'm so excited to be here with you today. Thank you so much for inviting me, Brian. Thank you, and um, you know that, uh, that that the first time when I uh, when I when I saw your introduction, um, you know, I, and I I was looking for for the actual introduction that uh, that I that I uh, did to um, to the uh, the NSA Illinois group, I, I couldn't find it, and it was it reminded me of that uh, that poem from uh, Maya Angelou. She said, uh, "People um, will forget what you said and what you did, but they will always remember. Or they will never forget how you made them feel." And I couldn't remember what the exact words were, but the you know the feeling I had was, "Man, I want I want to I want to talk to you more. I want to get the 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 energy that you bring out to." The Bravehearts on uh, on our show, so uh, it's. I uh, uh, hope that's too mu- not too much of a big setup for you, uh, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, again, thanks thanks for being here. And um, uh, abundance uh, activism was how I titled the show, and um, I I, uh, I I know that you uh, uh, identify yourself as the abundance activist. Uh, at some point, there's an aha moment that where we where we have something come to our heart and says, "Oh yeah, I get that." Was there something that uh, that settled in for you that caused you to create the idea of abundance activist? I uh, 
had been very curious my entire time as a financial advisor. So for close to 30 years, I was a financial advisor and worked for with individual clients. I, I don't do that anymore. But early on in that career, I was fascinated with how people thought about their money and saw that that made such a big impact for them. And then in the course of doing that, I was in, you know, went through two big recessions, which I guess every time we have something big happens and then something else big happens, we go, oh, it wasn't as bad as it is now. But, um, you know, they were really, really stressful times for people. And I realized in, in good times and especially in challenging times, the, what we think and what we say about our money has such a huge impact. Mm-hmm. So I started playing with this idea of using really generosity as a precursor to prosperity. Um, you know, how can we give to generate more prosperity, whether that's a feeling of wealth or actual money that comes in. And uh, the idea of being an abundance activist was really generated from that. So, Brian, I don't know if you remember, and it could have been 10 years ago or more, there was a period of time when people were wearing purple bracelets for the complaint-free world. Do you remember that? Mm, okay. uh, you know, I remember, the- remember a lot of different colored bracelets. I think of purple as pancreatic cancer, but, uh, uh, but yeah. There so. was um, a guy, and I don't, he was in the Midwest. I think he was a minister. I don't remember all the details, but he started this thing where every time you complained, you moved the wristband to the other Um, wrist to see if you could go, I think it was 21 days without complaining, condemning, or Mm. criticizing someone else, which is super hard to do. So I had this idea that was kind of a flip on that because I'm more in uh, like positive reinforcement than negative reinforcement. And I thought, well, what if there was a way for me to track how I am either giving to others, whether that's financially giving, mentoring, volunteering, changing the conversation from one that's fear-based to one that's more um, abundance-focused. And every time I do that, I would switch a bracelet to the other side. So I created blue wristbands that said Abundance Activist on it. And the idea was that I would just notice how I was around giving. And it was um, a fascinating experiment for me. And, you know, I've had other people, you know, usually when I speak in public, which hasn't happened in a while these days, but I would give out these abundance activist wristbands because I think that when we can be more conscious about how we're really showing up, it helps to bring more of that into our lives. And this is the genesis of being an abundance activist. You know, and it's interesting that you use the uh, the um, the um, the the opposition of uh, rather than fear based, uh, abundance based, because uh, there there are I think there's a characteristic of fear and scarcity that are that are the same, uh, as opposed to abundance and love that are the same. Yeah, does that make sense? Oh, for sure. And and when it comes to money, I think because, you know, our attitudes and beliefs about money are determined at a very, very early age. I mean, some say that most of our subconscious beliefs around money start between conception and age seven. And, And then, you know, many parents aren't even aware of the messages they're giving their kids. And most of what happens, I think, really around the globe, but is fear based when it comes to financial things. And then when we have difficult, challenging times, it just gets um, uh, exaggerated, amplified. 
Mm-hmm. And um, in, 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 you know, when you're focused on fear and that there's not enough, it's much harder to turn that around to really get the results that you want and feel good about your money. Uh, is there enough? Is there enough? <laughs> is- <laughs> yeah, there's... I was waiting for the last part of the question. You know my answer is going to be there's probably more than enough. But I, it's easy for people. I don't want to diminish that some people are really in difficult times right now, mm-hmm. right? They may have lost their job yeah. and things seem scarier. They may have lost family members. Um, and there is this belief that many people have, whether it's money or other parts of their lives. It could be love or relationships or jobs out there that there's only a limited amount to go around. And mm-hmm. uh, my personal belief is that the pie's always expanding. It's not like if you and Brian, then I have to lose. But I think that many things are set up in our world and our economy to make people believe that there has to be a winner and a loser. I, I, I think that's true. And, and that's, you know, and, and one of the things that, um, that, that I, I believe that we understand even from an early age and maybe not uh, conception or uh, to to age seven, uh, but I think we learn early on that money is the way we keep keep score, and particularly mm-hmm. as a, as adults in in the game of life, uh, money and the numbers that's kind of the way that we keep stokes keeps keep score. Um, that you know for um, uh, for for what it's worth that that seems to be the system that we have. Well, and there's lots of things in the uh, financial services industry and the media and um, just the way we live in a commercial society that reinforce that belief. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, you must be a better person if you have a nicer car or more stuff. And I think um, I I tend to be overly, I don't know about overly optimistic, but extremely optimistic and looking at the sunny side of things. And if we could look at the, the... benefit or the good things that have come out of this really difficult time um, when things seem scary or things seem hard, I I like to think it also gives us a reset of deciding and assessing what's really important. Yeah. Because you could have all the money in the world and still get sick and not be able to be okay. Now, I'm not saying it doesn't matter. We live in a material world and I just want to be clear on this. People with, you know, a certain amount of resources can get you know, better care or they can pay for certain things mm-hmm. that people that don't don't necessarily have those opportunities. But we know that after a certain amount of money, that additional money doesn't necessarily make you happier, except if you if you use it to help other people, then it mm-hmm. actually can make you happier. Yeah, and I've heard the I've heard a number that uh, of is it a household income of seventy five thousand is kind of the uh, the the peak of uh, money happiness, something like that. That's what um, I've heard too. So where you can yeah. you know feed your family and get health care and mm-hmm. you know have shelter that you need a certain amount to just feel secure, but mm-hmm. each dollar over that doesn't necessarily make you incrementally more happy. Yeah, somebody who makes a yeah, billion again, dollars isn't, uh, you know, a hundred times happier than, uh, I guess I'm not doing the math in my head quite fast enough here, but, right. you know, a <laughs> hundred times happier than somebody that makes 10 million, <laughs> right. uh, who wouldn't be a hundred times happier than someone making a hundred thousand, you know, and, and, and so forth, you know, so, um, 
that 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 makes a lot of sense. And I I like what you said about uh, uh, when you're able to give give it to others or to um, uh, to to share that or or uh, how does how does uh, uh, what did you mean yeah, there? They find so that seventy five thousand number or whatever it's somewhere around there. Um, was a number that was touted a lot, saying, look, you're not any happier. And then there was other Mm -hmm. researchers that went out and said, well, wait, actually, you're not happier if you just use it to buy more stuff or to accumulate it. But if you use it to help other people, then there is a boost in your happiness level. Okay. I can can see that. I guess, uh, yeah. There's yeah, some pretty yeah. interesting research around this, too, around um, generosity and giving, and I'm talking about financial generosity now. Um, one study showed that if you were to make a charitable donation of $500, the way that it's processed in your brain is something called subjective wealth, and it gives you the same kind of boost or buzz if you, as if you were to get a $10,000 raise. And it's kind of wow. translated in your brain like, oh, I must be wealthy if I was able to give that. So it's kind of That's like a, you've talked yourself into your wealthiness by the fact that you were charitable to somebody else. Well, that's that's really good news. I'm gonna I'm gonna take that to the bank because I I, I did that earlier today and it it happened to be five hundred dollars. So uh, I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna see how that translates into uh, my uh, my ability to qualify for a home loan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Hey, it's um, we're uh, we're coming up to a break, and I want to encourage everyone to stick with us um, with um, Ellen Rogan. We're talking about abundance, abundance activism with the Abundance Activist uh, here on Bravehearts Radio. We will be back on the other side of sixty seconds. Stick with us. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Brave Hearts Radio is sponsored by Brave Hearts for Kids, a national pediatric cancer charity. Our mission is to provide life-saving hope and inspiration to families facing a pediatric cancer ordeal through outreach, information, and mentoring. Our recently updated Spotlight Hope mobile app puts families in touch with resources to help make their lives better from any location in the USA. For more information or to help, go to BraveHeartsForKids.org. That's BraveHeartsForKids.org. As the mission specialist, Brian Reinbold doesn't fly the rockets, but he does help to make sure each mission gets accomplished. Employee engagement is such an important concern for business people today. Brian helps socially conscious businesses reduce expenses, increase profits, and inspire a sense of dedication in the workforce by training mission-building behavior. It's not what Brian does that's most important. It's what people do after he trains them. For more information, contact Brian Reingold at Mission Specialist at BraveHeartsRadio.org. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. You're part of Bravehearts Radio. Call into the program today to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also email Brian. His email is missionspecialist at braveheartsradio.org. Now, back to this week's show. 
And welcome back, Bravehearts. You're listening to Bravehearts Radio. I'm your host, Brian Reinbold, and I am the mission specialist. You're tuned in to VoiceAmerica.com, where we're the leader in live internet talk radio, and I'm grateful to be here with you on our flagship Voice America Variety Channel. Today, we're talking about abundance activism, and uh, you know, we're also setting up our mission-building retreats and thought leader summits by Zoom video. So, if you'd like to participate with these, connect me at connect with me at mission specialist at braveheartsradio.org. I wanted to get into a little bit more about uh, retreats in the uh, in the third segment. I've uh, got got a couple of different things to talk about there. Uh, my guest today is uh, Ellen Rogan. Ellen is the abundance activist. She's a New York Times best-selling author. Uh, Picture your prosperity, smart money moves to turn your vision into reality. And uh, she's also a, a, a really excellent uh, connector because when uh, when we first had a conversation, we were talking about abundance and we were talking about uh, service and uh, you know and one of the one of the things that uh, has inspired me since just about forever is uh, Albert Schweitzer's idea that uh, I don't know what your destiny will be, but I, I do know that the only ones among you who will be truly happy are those who have sought and found a way to serve others. And uh, Ellen, uh, after our first conversation, said, uh, I have to connect you with Jacqueline Hayes at the uh, Chicago Help Initiative. And uh, and uh, I think it was to do with the, um, uh, there was part of our conversation had to do with the uh, uh, the idea of I have a name, and uh, you, you were aware that uh, Jacqueline was working on on a project, uh, a film called I Have a Name, and uh, Jacqueline has been a, uh, a a guest on the show. Actually, the most popular show we've ever had on Bravehearts Radio, and it was an encore presentation of that last week. Uh, also, uh, Lucia Moro and her husband Joe Orlandino were on the show. The filmmakers of I Have a Name. Uh, after uh, after visiting with Jacqueline, and uh, we just uh, last week set up um, uh, a uh, a show for October with Jacqueline Lucia and uh, their writer Heather Eidson. Uh, will be on the show uh, in uh, October because in October the uh, premiere of uh, the film I Have a Name will be uh, will be taking place. So we'll we'll be having more on that and promoting more about that as it goes. But, uh, that's a, man, that's a, that's a great connection. And, and I'm, I'm so abundantly thankful to you for that, Ellen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, um, well, first of all, let me just say that Jacqueline's been an inspiration. So for those of you that didn't hear the show, Jacqueline started the Chicago health initiative quite a ways back because as a very successful retail real estate broker in Chicago, she saw in this very fancy area of the Gold Coast, there was a lot of people who were homeless and hungry, and she started serving meals um, and uh, once a week, and it turned into also training, and now, given what's going on, they're serving so many more people, and so it's really, really incredible what she's done and I've seen Jacqueline in action I've been out to lunch with her and she every time we've been at a restaurant she hits up who's ever the manager of the restaurant to make sure they'll donate a meal and lets them know what's happening and she's really really incredible so I'm excited about seeing this movie but um, Brian to just tie this back into this idea of abundance activism and 
being out there, being generous, you know, one of the things I like to say is that generosity is really the new currency in business. And what I found through, um, you know, all my business career is that the more I could be out there helping other people, the more it came back to serve me. And it's not necessarily, I'm not talking about the old school, like give to get, like, okay, Brian, yep. I referred, you know, great guests for your show. You better help me out. It's not like that mm-hmm. at all. But it's if I get you a great guest, I'm supporting Jacqueline, then all of a sudden I get business or a referral from someone I haven't talked to in years. It's mm-hmm. kind of like this virtuous cycle that's out there. And um, one of the things that I've always tried to do is if there's more of something I want in my life or my business, that's the thing I'm out there trying to give. That's what you so give more referrals, I give more referrals. You know, it works in life, too. If it's more love, then give more love. You know, there's a there's a story. Everything reminds me of a story, Ellen. There's a story I remember about mm-hmm. um, about a uh, traveler who was uh, uh, had traveled uh, across the desert for a few days and and came to a a, a well pump. And uh, next to the well pump was a, was a little wooden box, and inside the wooden box was a jar of water. And on the jar of water, there was taped a note, and it said, uh, "You can go ahead and drink the water," or you can pour it down the well pump, and the uh, it'll lubricate the sucker washer, and you'll be able to pump more water than you can possibly use. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the the guy who told the story, I think it was an Earl Nightingale story, and and, and uh, his uh, he said, "How many of us would have the uh, the courage to?" Uh, to pour the water down the well instead of just drinking it, and then oh, the last part of the note was uh, just remember to be sure to leave the uh, leave the jar full for the next traveler. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it feels um, especially you know when we're talking about money or business, it's easy if you're scared to just loop back to what we talked about at the beginning of the show. When you're scared, it isn't necessarily logical to think oh, the more I give, the better it'll be because there's this. Um, instinct when we're scared to hang on to what we have, mm-hmm. just like in your story. But it's really one of the best things and um, to be out there and kind of loosening up your grip, whether it's on business or um, anything else, to have more things flow to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's you know sometimes a story is is a, is a good story and and maybe it isn't exactly the right story for. Um, for uh, for something that was something I, I remember I would tell that story uh, for nonprofit organizations. Um, to uh, if you're um, if you're working with a uh, nonprofit organization and and you want to uh, make things happen, are, are you willing to put everything you have into it to to make it happen? Um, I think a lot of people that start things do that, and many times you know they uh, you know there's an awful lot of uh, small nonprofit organizations that uh, that just uh, don't make it. It's like any small business. There's an attrition rate that's pretty mm. pretty high, and I, I imagine that in in these current days, in these current times, that has been exacerbated by the um, uh, by the situation. So um, we we have that, but you know that that doesn't that doesn't mean that there isn't enough. Right. And, yeah, it is hard, especially for certain types of nonprofits. Some of them are doing really great because people's hearts have been opened up to the pain that other people have had. But there are certain types of nonprofits that just, it's, it's, they're, what they do 
you know, what they serve, whether they're in the arts, that might be a little bit harder than someone that's feeding people, for example. Yeah. But, um, well, I... With the with you know with the Chicago Help Initiative, they you know they're feeding. I think uh, uh, they're at five thousand meals a week now. Yeah. Um, that they're and that's up from like two hundred or four hundred. I mean, it's significantly. Yeah. You know, people were um, really calling on them, and the beauty of that is many of these meals are donated. And with some of the work that I've done over the summer for the Chicago Help Initiative is they'll collect bagged meals. And so people yeah. drive by in a very safe, socially distant way, and they've bagged up anywhere from, you know, 12. So I've seen people bring 100 or 200 bagged lunches, meals for um, people. So uh, it's such a beautiful example of how when people are called, they can really serve in, in ways that makes everybody feel good. You know, and, and there's uh, there's a way that anyone can serve, and... and, and um, um, I remember when there was, a, there was, you know, back in Bismarck, North Dakota, where I lived most of my life, um, there was a flood one year on the south side of town, ice dam, you know, the, with the, uh, the great dams on the Missouri River. That was supposed to take care of flood control, but there was an ice dam that uh, caused the south side of town to flood, and there were thousands and thousands of people that were displaced. And the uh, mm-hmm. call went out on the radio to, uh, to come down to uh, the Civic Center and uh, help fill sandbags and they had uh, filled up the uh, civic center arena with um, uh, dump trucks full of sand and it was really quite a sight to see people filling sandbags and i thought you know there's a better alternative for me they said there was uh, a place where they were uh, housing people up on the north side a big uh, church with a double gymnasium where they were going to set up cots and the Red Cross had set up cots and so forth. And and I thought, I wonder if they have a kitchen there. They might need some help with that, and I'm pretty good at that. So that's what I did. I went up there, and they said, well, what can you do? Can you make coffee? I said, that sounds like a good start. So that's that's what I did. Mm-hmm. Um, but the next day, I called each of the schools, and I had uh, I got six grown-up kids now, and they had um, – uh, they were, you know, they were in, in middle school and in high school, and for the most part. And I, I called the schools and I said, I said, I'm not sending the kids to school today. I have an educational opportunity for them that you can't possibly match. So I had them come with, with me up to that uh, uh, double gymnasium and and help serve breakfast. And uh, right. you know, it, it wasn't that the people were 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 um, desperate, um, but they were they were. Pretty well. I think they were pretty stunned. You know, it's like this wasn't something we were expecting, and um, it's and um, yeah, just a story that came to mind. So, um, yeah, and what a um, beautiful story in terms of inspiring kids at a young age to be of service. You know, um, and you know, I think I don't know. I think our my kids. I've got young adult kids, and some of it I'd like to say that was a result of some of the things my husband and I did, but I just think that they're more aware of um, contributing than maybe I was growing up. Mm-hmm. We took our kids on volunteer vacations really in lots of different parts of the world, and I know that was instructive for them to see how uh, other people lived and how it wasn't that they needed a lot of money to be happy, and they made friends in, in Peru and Costa Rica and Ghana um, where we've been to Ghana a bunch of times. 
Um, but also, like, at their high school, they had a fundraiser month, and the high school raised, like, $100,000. Wow. And I know my sons talked about how they pick a charity every year. It's Charity Drive, and all, mm-hmm. all the different clubs and everything. So I, I love that, that I think um, young people now are a little bit more aware of how important it is that they make a difference than maybe their parents were. Yeah. And, and you you say you've been to Ghana multiple times? Yeah, we got involved. Um, we went there. Our kids were, I think Amy was 11 and Benji was 13 the first time we went. And um, we did some volunteer work. We did some construction. And it was our kids actually taught there when they were that little because mm-hmm. if a teacher was out for a reason, it wasn't like they had a substitute. Like here, the kids would sit in a classroom. So Benji and Amy were teaching them math and all sorts of stuff. It was a really incredible experience. And then they'd play um, soccer with, you know, on this dirt patch with, and I don't remember if we had bought a ball with us that trip, but they really had an amazing experience. And um, since then, I've been back, I think, six times. Um, Used to be that you had to pay for high school there. So we got involved with a scholarship fund. Now that's that's. Um, the government's paying for high school, but we're still, we've had, I think, 150 kids go through high school and about 47 kids go through university. Um, so it's, we have friends there now. It's just been a lovely experience for everybody. Wow, that sounds like quite a trip, uh, quite an experience for your uh, for your youngsters, Amy and Benji, that, uh, you know, be, to be teachers at 11 and 13. Um, yeah. There, there's something. There's a concept I, I I think of called I call it circular mentoring. It's the idea that um, uh, everyone brings something to everyone else at the table. And when I when I start mm-hmm. the presentation, I always hold up my cell phone and say, "I'm looking for a mentoring program that'll connect me with a fifth grader to explain this." <laughs> and, <laughs> and and people like that. So uh, we're up against another break. So we're going to come back here uh, on the other side of our break and continue our con- conversation with uh, Ellen Rogan. The uh, Abundance activist on uh, Brave Hearts Radio. Stick with us. We'll be back on the other side of 60 Seconds. Voice America is available on your Google connected device. Okay, Google, play Turning Hard Times into Good Times podcast on iHeartRadio. Try it today. Bravehearts Radio is sponsored by Bravehearts for Kids, a national pediatric cancer charity. Our mission is to provide life-saving hope and inspiration to families facing a pediatric cancer ordeal through outreach, information, and mentoring. Our recently updated Spotlight Hope mobile app puts families in touch with resources to help make their lives better from any location in the USA. For more information or to help, go to braveheartsforkids.org. That's braveheartsforkids.org. As the mission specialist, Brian Reinbold doesn't fly the rockets, but he does help to make sure each mission gets accomplished. Employee engagement is such an important concern for business people today. Brian helps socially conscious businesses reduce expenses, increase profits, and inspire a sense of dedication in the workforce by training mission-building behavior. It's not what Brian does that's most important. It's what people do after he trains them. For more information, contact Brian Reinbold at Mission Specialist at BraveHeartsRadio.org. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. 
VoiceAmerica.com. You're part of Brave Hearts Radio. Call into the program today to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also email Brian. His email is missionspecialist at braveheartsradio.org. Now, back to this week's show. And welcome back, Bravehearts. You're listening to Bravehearts Radio. I'm your host, Brian Reinbold, and I am the Mission Specialist. Today, we're talking about abundance activism with Ellen Rogan, the abundance activist. And uh, you can connect with us at uh, BraveheartsForKids.org, BraveheartsRadio.org. You can connect with Ellen at uh, EllenRogan.com. That's E-L-L-E-N-R-O-G-I-N.com. I just went to the website, uh, Ellen, before the before the show and uh, I took a quiz. Uh, it was a uh, what kind of I think what kind of uh, what your giving style is. And uh, uh, mine mine turned out that I was uh, it said do gooder. And so mm. uh, that's a, is that that that's that's a type of person or is it just telling me I could do better? You could do gooder. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I suppose we could always do better, all of us. No, there's just different styles that people have around giving, and it's 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 an interesting notice. And when I was talking before about the abundance activist wristbands, you know, some people um, feel like their giving makes most sense with people in their family. Some people want to be mm-hmm. doing good for broader groups of people. Some people like to do good through their actions. There's just different styles, and so we wanted to give some information to people on that. Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. So that's at ellenrogan.com. And you mentioned that there's uh, there's some some other goodies you can uh, uh, you can find yeah. on the website. Sure. If you go to ellenrogan.com forward slash goodies, there's actually some free downloads and other really valuable resources that I have for you. And there's you know no cost for that. I just want to provide more. There's some meditations there and some other information that I think will be helpful. Mm-hmm. That sounds good. Oh, and uh, you know, and um, I've been doing a lot of meditating and uh, a lot of um, uh, grounding in you uh, know in, in many of the online discussions that I've been involved with in in Zoom. Uh, I've been in, involved with uh, Patricia and Craig Neal at the Center for Purposeful Leadership and some of their training, and with uh, Natasha and Lauren Sell at uh, the the founders of Sutra. Uh, in their training and and um, uh, putting together some um, some programs, I have one coming up called the Aha Moment, um, which is uh, something I'm, I'm really looking forward to. And it's kind of it's still evolving because um, I had an Aha Moment about that uh, in a recent conversation uh, with my friend Ann Fox, and uh, we, were, we were talking about. She said she said, you know, you, you don't really want to have a learning experience. You you want to have a philosophical discussion. I thought, aha, that I really do. <laughs> and uh, Ann is uh, is helping um, uh, put together the uh, the Catalina retreats, uh, and Catalina is a retreat center in Peru. Uh, in the sacred valley of the Incas near Machu Picchu, and uh, Daniel Gutierrez is uh, um, is putting on the retreats uh, at uh, Catalina. Catalina was his mother's name, uh, so it was named in her honor. And then uh, uh, Daniel is is putting on these all virtual retreats now. I've been to two of them, going back again in September, 
and uh, uh, it's it's easy to travel to uh, Machu Picchu with uh, with Daniel and Ann and and the uh, Catalina retreats. And I understand that uh, you you also know Daniel, yeah. Yeah, I've met Daniel. I didn't know he was doing virtual retreats. I have to check that out. And I hear he's going to be a guest on your show. He's a um, really interesting, um, beautiful man. So I'm thrilled you know him. Yeah, he's he's going to be on the show next uh, next Monday, the twenty first. Uh, it's uh, kind of significant because uh, where where he is in um, in Peru, uh, they're about twelve degrees south latitude, you know. So they're uh, they're they're just finishing up winter, and uh, the twenty first next Monday is the last day of winter for them. So they're looking at uh, mm-hmm. going right right into spring as we uh, uh, fall into fall. So. Uh, yeah, that'll that'll be coming up. Um, retreats are uh, actually that's how I got, uh, got. I was in a breakout in in some kind of a Zoom meeting with with uh, with Ann, and um, uh, we somehow we came up with the idea. I I love to do retreats. Oh, I love to do retreats, and and uh, so we connected that way. One of the things I most enjoy uh, is what I call a personal retreat. And uh, I some, sometimes refer to it as a as an Einstein retreat or a water retreat. Just the idea of taking time, and I do this at holidays. Take a couple of days, and um, just sit, maybe with a, a notebook, and begin by appreciating what has been going well, uh, and uh, looking back with gratitude. Uh, and allowing that to flow into what should I do next? Um, so I, um, that's that's a that's a personal retreat. And I understand you've you've also done uh, something called a, a silent retreat, right? Yeah. So the first one I did was the summer before this past summer, and I went out to a retreat center called Spirit Rock. It's in um, outside of San Francisco. It's this beautiful retreat center. And I spent seven days um, with a group of, there was about 100 of us with four instructors and um, focused on insight meditation, which is kind of a mindfulness-based meditation. And it was um, one of the hardest things I've done and one of the best things I've done. And it was hard in ways I didn't expect. Um, And I thought when I left there, like, okay, I'm done. I'm never going to do this again. I couldn't wait to get out because it was just hard to be, um, there was a little bit of talking, like you could talk to the instructors and they would give us some teachings, but I didn't realize before that how much time that we spend being um, stimulated by outside things. Like you pick up your phone or you turn on the TV or even in the car, I'll turn on the radio um, on the way home to just listen and have something else occupy my mind. Well, when you're there, there's none of that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. By like day four, I was just praying for some Netflix or something. But I learned so much about myself. I deepened my meditation practice. Um, And then this summer, I was supposed to go back for a 10-day retreat, um, focusing on metta meditation, which is a loving-kindness-focused meditation, which didn't happen because of, COVID, but I ended up doing, with the same instructors, a four-day virtual retreat. So I was at home, and back and forth, I have an office where we just have our own office. So I was at home and at my office meditating. My family was very supportive, and there was just a couple little 
you know, words said within four days. Um, but mm-hmm. it was was really great. And it was actually great to see how I could integrate that into, I didn't have to go off. And yes, it was lovely being in a retreat center and having someone cook great food for us. And But um, it's also very possible to do that at home. So that was that was really a great experience too. That's pretty cool, you know. It's, and uh, just for clarification, for the audience's sake, um, Ellen and I know each other through the National Speakers Association, and so the idea that we're talking about silent retreats is really, I think, pretty remarkable. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes irony is the best form of humor. Uh, actually, one one of uh, one of my uh, uh, best friends here, Drago Gudovic, is uh, uh, he's he's a fellow that I know through Toastmasters. He's a championship speaker in the Toastmasters organization, and uh, uh, we had some fun uh, a, a year or so ago because he went to a silent retreat, and I I thought that's got to be a that's got to be a trip because he's a he's an award winning humorist speaker, mm-hmm. and uh, and so. Um, but the this you know the the idea of the, um, the what I call the water retreat uh, Einstein retreat uh, the um, uh, the story I understand is that Albert Einstein used to go to um, go go to the water just look at the water for two weeks at a time and he would uh, he said that time by myself like that was the most productive from a creativity standpoint of any time I've ever spent and I think that that's something. That when um, in the silence, um, when we get to the end of something, when we get to the end of what we know, that's where we find God. Uh, in the silence, um, that's maybe where we find uh, the divine spirit uh, that it, within us, and and that maybe comes through uh, in those opportunities. I just um, was reading about how Mark Zuckerberg, when he was at a crossroads and wasn't sure where to go with Facebook, had reached out to Steve Jobs, who periodically mentored him. And he said to Steve Jobs, like, I just don't know, which should I go? Which is the next move I should make? And Steve Jobs said, go to India, go sit in silence. And I don't remember if it was two weeks, three weeks, but he, that's what he did. And he sat mm-hmm. um, at a retreat center in silence, and that's where he found the answers. So yeah. I think often we look outside of ourselves for things, but um, when we can get quiet enough to hear that inner wisdom, there's many or most or all of the answers that we need are right there for us. You know, and that, that quiet voice, it may not come uh, at a retreat. You know, when, when I had my first really significant experience with the, uh, what I call the authentic voice, that, that quiet inner voice, it was, uh, you know, but, um, uh, oh, and that's a significant thing about today. Today is uh, September 14th. September 14th of 2008 is when I started walking. I walked 13, five miles a day for 13 months without missing a day. And I would wow. listen to my thoughts. I didn't wear a headset. I didn't listen to the radio. I had only my thoughts. And I kept hearing this, this, um, this quiet inner voice. And it, uh, it was, it was something that it just didn't, uh, it, it didn't speak in words, but, um, in an understanding. But when I put the understanding into words, I could understand it. It kept uh, coming back with, um, what are you going to do with the rest of your life? Mm-hmm. What are you going to do with the rest of your life? And then it became an admonition. I expect something from you. And so that I, I think of that as my authentic voice, uh, that that quiet voice that that gives us a sense of knowing, which exceeds believing. 
if that makes sense. A hundred percent. Yeah. So we got one more quick break, and we'll be back to wrap things up here on Bravehearts Radio with abundance activist Ellen Rogan. Uh, stick with us. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Bravehearts Radio is sponsored by Bravehearts for Kids, a national pediatric cancer charity. Our mission is to provide life-saving hope and inspiration to families facing a pediatric cancer ordeal through outreach, information, and mentoring. Our recently updated Spotlight Hope mobile app puts families in touch with resources to help make their lives better from any location in the USA. For more information or to help, go to BraveHeartsForKids.org. That's BraveHeartsForKids.org. As the mission specialist, Brian Reinbold doesn't fly the rockets, but he does help to make sure each mission gets accomplished. Employee engagement is such an important concern for business people today. Brian helps socially conscious businesses reduce expenses, increase profits, and inspire a sense of dedication in the workforce by training mission-building behavior. It's not what Brian does that's most important. It's what people do after he trains them. For more information, contact Brian Reinbold at Mission Specialist at BraveHeartsRadio.org. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're part of Bravehearts Radio. Call into the program today to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also email Brian. His email is missionspecialist at braveheartsradio.org. Now, back to this week's show. And welcome back, Bravehearts. You're listening to Bravehearts Radio. I'm your host, Brian Reinbold. I am the mission specialist. You're, today we're talking about abundance activism, and uh, we have as our guest uh, Ellen Rogan, the abundance activist. I uh, got so excited about getting back to the uh, the, the last segment that I uh, forgot to mention nationaldaycalendar.com, one of the great uh, sponsors of BraveHeartsForKids.org, uh, the BraveHearts for Kids uh, Pediatric Cancer Charity. Nationaldaycalendar.com has all the national days that uh, can be a lot of fun. Find your own national day, nationaldaycalendar.com. Today is Boss slash Employee Exchange Day, Cream Filled Donut Day, Eat a Hoagie Day, Live Creative Day, and Virginia Day for the uh, for the state of Virginia, I understand. So uh, some of those I don't really understand. Well, eat a hoagie, cream-filled donut. Sounds like a high-carb day. Cre- live creative day. Love that. What a what a what a great way to go. That's um, that's on uh, one of today's national days. So, man, it's um, how are you doing, Ellen? I'm living creatively today. <laughs> I love you're, that. You're, yeah, you're 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 right. You know, uh, the the how you doing is uh, is is uh, I, I've been answering uh, never better for years. It's been my standard 
you know, never better. And I started wondering, man, I wonder if people want to hear that right now. But then I started asking people, I started just having that conversation with people at the grocery store, you know, wherever I go. And uh, almost uh, unanimously, what I'm hearing from people is, man, that's exactly what we need to hear now. How you do it, never better. And I, I try to remember that because I think there's an optimism that is the tipping point of, you know, what, if things are going well, optimism is, is, is where they begin. And if things are going poorly, pessimism is where that begins. So uh, your thoughts on that? It's very abundance activisty to be doing <laughs> to saying that. No, because part of it is not just being generous with your time and your money and mentoring, but it's also changing the conversation. So instead Mm of stirring things up with how awful things are, you're shifting it because, you know, that that optimism adds some sunshine in an area that does make people feel better. So I think Mm -hmm. it's awesome. Well, and one of the things I, I realized from one of my recent retreats, Memorial Day retreat, is that uh, my, my highest and best thing is to uplift others. And I, I don't necessarily mm-hmm. need to do that on a, you know, I've got a million listeners, I hope, on the uh, uh, Brave Hearts radio show uh, to uplift the people that are listening to the show. But it's like one-to-one with the, with whoever you're buying your groceries from, whoever's in line, people people you meet and pass on the street and, and walking in the park, just to to lift them up. Uh, with a with a with a smile, my dad said that was the best investment you could make because you give it away, you get mm-hmm. it right back. You know, yeah, it reminds me of walking down the street in Chicago and having just some person, you know, who I didn't know, look at me in the eye and go, you know, smile or smile back at me, and all of a sudden my energy changed from that. And so it mm-hmm. doesn't take much to make someone else's day. Um, it could also be sharing what you really appreciate about that person or what you're grateful for. Um, I had someone I was giving at the beginning of the shutdown, I was doing mindfulness um, webinars for financial advisors. So through this mm-hmm. organization that I'm involved in, and I had someone on the um, who had listened to the show send me a LinkedIn request and sent me this LinkedIn message, which I didn't look at when it first came in. And I remember I am generally a very high optimism person, but this one day I was, it was cloudy out. I was laying, I have a couch in my office and I was just laying there just wanting to do nothing and feeling just blah. Mm -hmm. And I opened up my computer and read his um, LinkedIn message. And he said, Ellen, you know, I've been sharing with my clients what we're grateful for. And part of my practice is to share with people I don't really even know what I'm grateful for. And your webinar made such a big impact on me. I just felt so much better. And he went on and on. And it totally shifted my day. I went from like, blah, to feeling Mm -hmm. awesome in 30 seconds. And so Mm -hmm. I don't think we always realize how big of an impact we can make on people with just a small act of kindness. Yeah. You know, Mother Teresa has a a quote that's one of my favorites. I got a lot of favorite quotes, but she said uh, it was attributed with, um, there is a greater hunger in this world for appreciation than for bread. Mm. And for Mother Teresa of Calcutta, who dealt with the starving people, you know, for a long time to to, um, point that out. I think that's uh, that's an interesting uh, way to way to look at it and appreciation is uh you know that's the that's the feeling of being in love you know when you're uh, um 
when you're when you're in love, you appreciate everything, and um, the uh, the idea of uh, appreciating uh, versus taking something for granted. Um, what a, what a big difference in our world. Yeah, Lynn Twist. I think I, this is attributable to Lynn Twist, who wrote a beautiful book called The Soul of Money. I think mm-hmm. she said this, but if not, she's quoted someone else who said it, which is what appreciate what you appreciate appreciates. So what oh, yeah. you focus on with appreciation grows in value. Yeah. Well, it, you know, the opposite of appreciation is taking something for granted, um, but it could also be described as depreciation. So mm-hmm. um, that's... Um, uh, philosophy, like what you know, I was saying, the aha moment. It's uh, it's going to be about uh, having that philosophical discussion, uh, not necessarily a learning experience. You uh, maybe bring your own learning. So, <laughs> um, Ellen, it has been absolutely a pleasure and a treasure to have you on the show today. Uh, I want to thank the guests um, of uh, Brave Hearts Radio for joining us too. Uh, thanks for joining us today. And we've been talking about abundance. And uh, if you want to catch up with Ellen, ellenrogan.com, E-L-L-E-N-R-O-G-I-N.com. She is the abundance activist. Thanks for being with us today, Ellen. Did any, any, any final thoughts? Uh, two quick ones, Brian. First of all, thank you for what you do in the world. It's beautiful that you're out there being such a force for good. So thank you for that. And um, the other thing I would just leave people thinking about is that generosity precedes prosperity. That sounds like a, that sounds like a, a, a good parting thought. Um, uh, some uh, some great uh, great thoughts today, Ellen Rogan. Uh, check out ellenrogan.com. Thanks for being with us today, Ellen. I understand you have to have to get to the next uh, the next meeting. So uh, appreciate well, you being with us. Great to have been here. Thank you, thank you. We will talk again soon. So thank you, Bravehearts, for being with us. Um, remember to check out braveheartsforkids.org and please consider uh, donating now. Uh, you can also check out our our mission building workshops and retreats. You can email email me at mission specialist at braveheartsradio.org. Um, please plan to join us every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 3 Central. You can work out your time zone. Next week, we'll be talking about Catalina, the retreat in the sacred valley of the Incas near Machu Picchu, Peru, with Daniel Gutierrez. He'll be our guest. He's in New York. Times best-selling author, back-to-back, New York Times best-selling author of Radical Mindfulness. Remember that doing good anywhere does good everywhere, and we'll see you next week. Until then, be well, stay well. Thanks again for joining us this week for Bravehearts Radio. Be sure to tune in for another edition featuring your host, Brian Reinbold. The show can be heard every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll talk again next time. 